0: Welcome to season three of Behind the Ops, presented by Tulip. This season, we are welcoming a fresh pair of co-hosts, bringing a whole new energy. Russell Waddell and Madeline Angel tackle the pointed questions, challenging industrial operations as we know it, and sometimes even answering them. Maddie, how's your dog?
1: She has recovered. Yeah, she finished her antibiotic, so she's all she's all set.
0: How how old's your dog?
1: She'll be five in April.
0: And she's small, right? Just one of those long lived dogs.
1: Just a a 95 pound baby.
0: Oh, I'm thinking of a different dog.
1: (laughs) She's a Bernie's mountain dog. Did
0: did I meet your dog? There's no way I missed your dog.
1: No, you haven't met her. She, uh, she doesn't come into the office. So quick story. I got Elsie like a few months before I started at Tulip. Mm -hmm. And so I brought her to the office as a puppy. And all the other office dogs were v- veterans, and a couple of them were a little spicy. And she had a run-in with one of the small veteran dogs and is uncomfortable coming in the office now. <laughs> so even though she's 95 pounds now, puppy Elsie's feelings were so hurt that she's unable to come back into the office.
0: She had a bad experience.
1: Yeah, childhood trauma, puppyhood trauma.
0: Welcome to, welcome to Pet Chat, brought to you by Tulip, by the way. New segment. Yeah, new segment of behind the ops. What are we going to talk about today?
1: I think that we are going to do a pop quiz.
0: Oh God, I didn't prepare.
1: Well, I'm like I'm a Striver, so I feel like I'm always expecting a pop quiz. <laughs> <laughs> you gotta be ready just in case.
0: So you, so you didn't prepare in the sense that you're always prepared. Um, pop quiz. Should we make this? Should we make this medium difficult or hard difficult?
1: Uh. Let's do it hard like a hard difficulty level. And then okay. if we bomb the pop quiz, it was a surprise. So Okay,
0: so here I have a first can I ask the first question? I have one that's that's going to be good for gauging how good you're going to be at this. Yes. Okay. Who said Sorry, this is a marketing question, but I think it's incredibly hard. Who said creativity is intelligence having fun?
1: Was it Steve Jobs? <laughs> I don't know. That's a know. great
0: guess. It was the Steve Jobs of science, Albert Einstein. Okay. Okay. So that, so that I thought that would be a basically impossible question without being multiple choice. Okay. And from your long silence, I feel like it was a basically impossible question (laughs) without being multiple choice. Do you want, do you want it to be just as hard as that? Or do you want me to dial it down a little bit?
1: Well, if, if it's hard questions that will be fun facts that our listeners can share at dinner parties, well then I feel like that's the way to go. So, okay.
0: So keep it keep it difficult.
1: No shame in failure.
0: That's a good point. I What if I just feel consistent shame, whether I've failed or succeeded, because I only think about the failure?
1: I have some good counselors that I can recommend to you, Russ.
0: Welcome to Mental Health Cast, <laughs> brought to you by Tulip. <laughs> do you want another one? I got another one queued up, or do you have one?
1: Yes. No, no. Let's keep them coming.
0: Okay. This microblogging site's iconic bird logo was named after Celtics legend... Larry Bob, Larry Bird, not Larry Bod, Larry Bird. <laughs> this, is a, this is a Boston question for you.
1: Can you repeat the question?
0: Yeah, sure. This microblogging site's iconic bird logo was named after Celtics legend Larry Bird.
1: Uh, is it Twitter?
0: Nailed it. Twitter. Amazing. Larry Bird, not a Tweety Bird or some other bird. Do you want You want another one? I got another one queued up right here. It's good.
1: Go for it. I, this is, this also, is like a pure I, I'm marketing I'm not sure I'm question. in the right place for this mentally yes for me. I was gonna <laughs> share. yeah go for it go for it
0: okay here we go this is a marketing history question in what year did the united states ban advertising cigarettes on tv and radio and i'll give i'll give you multiple choice was it 1960 1970 or 1980
1: 1970
0: nailed it two in a row two out of three What's your, tell me about your marketing, like your marketing credentials and why we can trust you as a marketing person and your expertise here. What's your CV?
1: Well, the, the first thing that I think makes me trustworthy is I didn't study marketing in college and tip to all the kids, don't study marketing in college because the professors and programs are 10 to 20 years behind and it's a waste of time.
0: I was not expecting that answer. I'll be honest with you.
1: Yeah. I, came I out of field for me. I studied anthropology. I care about understanding people and what they do in culture. I think that's a great background for marketing, but I'm biased. And, you know, I, I went through kind of the, the agency flow for years uh, before coming to, to Tulip. So I wanted to join a mission-driven company.
0: And when you took, when you, were, when you were in school, how many semesters of marketing anthropology did you take?
1: Zero. <laughs> But ask me how, how many semesters of Mayan writing and archaeology I took, and the number's pretty high. So we, we all learn fun, fun things in liberal arts schools. Did it stick? There are a few Chipotles that have really great Mayan writing installations that they've obviously stolen, um, and I can identify them when I walk in there. And I love visiting Central America, but I have very poor qualifications there. As an adult.
0: That's, it's just, it's one mind-blowing fact after another. Amazing work. Do you want another question, or is it my turn in the hot seat?
1: I think it's your turn in the hot seat, and I'm going to uh, focus on some manufacturing questions. Is that fair?
0: Okay. Please. Well, the whole point is not to be fair. The point is to be tough and give good trivia.
1: Okay, so I'm going to start with, like, a softball, just to, like, get you ready, right?
0: Okay, I'm actually, I'm terrified of this, because, <laughs> see, like, right, what I said about my failure my relationship um, with failure please
1: what is a bill of materials
0: can i use the words bill or materials in, <laughs> in the answer the,
1: the one rule is going to be you can't use the words in the answer
0: the bill of materials is a list of all the things required to make a thing
1: that that's a good enough definition. am i close You're what's the textbook
0: close. answer that we're going for here
1: so textbook says complete inventory of the raw materials, assemblies, parts, and quantities of each needed to create a specific product.
0: Okay, so I'm gonna answer in plain English and the technical English will be the officially correct answer. This We're gonna put this in the show notes, by the way. The manufacturing questions are from the Tulip Glossary, right? Yeah,
1: yeah, we'll, we'll share okay. the Tulip Glossary. Can I throw you a, a more difficult question? Maybe a more contentious, contentious question? What oh, is good. Industry 4.0? how
0: long do we have (laughs) because there's also so i'm going to cite to a source industry 4.0 is a term coined by a program of the german government in the mid 2010s where they created an industrial policy that said you know here's eight pillars of our official industrial policy of the country of germany and what we'll spend money on and what we want to accomplish and that was published as platform industry 4.0 and um after that, it went crazy, and Industry 4.0 has been used for all sorts of non-cited uses where there's no actual traceability of what the definition means. So I, I don't know. No one knows. I, I I go with the formal definition based on German industrial policy, and I disavow any other definition because there's not a source. Other I than think, the Tulip Glossary of Terms, which I feel like you're about to tell me what that definition is.
1: No, actually, I just like decided to pull that one out. Oh, good. This one, this so it's not in the glossary.
0: And it shouldn't be. Because what would we even cite to? You, you picked a real burr under my saddle of a question there. Man.
1: Well, I like that you talked about it historically. I'd say this is a, a contentious topic like what is MES? Yeah. So, you know, you can give like really technical definitions that are agreed on, which is great for pop quiz. You can give some nuanced essay questions, which are great for, you know, more of a final exam, midterm situation.
0: Do you know what my favorite terrible rhetorical mechanism is? digital twin. I saw this a lot for digital twin. What's a, what's the definition of a digital twin? Well, the thing about digital twin is everybody's got their own definition. I'm like, no, 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 no. they don't. They don't all have their own definition. There are places that you can cite to, whether that's academic papers or companies or uh, international organizations or governments, just cite a source, like pick one. Because as soon as you say everybody's got your own definition, what that means is what you're about to do is make one up off of like just out of thin air you're about to make another one so you're literally complaining that everybody's got a different definition and therefore you will contribute to that problem by making your own new definition
1: i think to challenge it a little bit i think that people can also want to take a position and so they share their own definition knowing like hey you might challenge this but i actually maybe have looked up the google scholar papers and i just have a perspective that is not necessarily commonly held
0: Right. That makes sense. Yeah, that works perfect. That makes perfect sense to me. I should stop complaining. People can say whatever they want.
1: Oh well, the best thing about strong opinions is that you can disagree with them. <laughs> so do you, keep do you, know
0: defi- you know who defines robots?
1: No, but I'm I'm like dying. To
0: al- know. Almost, almost nobody. It got the term was coined a long time ago in a in a work of science fiction, but then it got picked up across a whole bunch of different things. And at this point there is no universally cited definition of robot and yet most people know a robot when they see one
1: i love this story i just want to like because it's an anthropological story yeah it's an anthropological (laughs) story
0: through and through what's my next question i was i was actually to be honest with you i was kind of stalling because i didn't want the next one because the first one was too hard
1: so the next one uh is i think in your wheelhouse what does no code mean versus low code so i'm going to change the format a little bit what's the difference between no code and low code
0: Uh, that one I can handle. No code is fully graphical with no, I can't use no, uh, without any typing out code in a specific language. So you you don't actually have to write, you don't have to know any syntax. You can drag graphical elements or use menus. Low code is still mostly graphical or mostly accessible to non-professional software developers but also does involve some amount of knowing syntax often for a a simpler language like javascript where you can do a little bit of actual writing out uh typing out code and then also that fits seamlessly in an environment with you know drag and drop blocks and menu items and stuff like that
1: so from your definitions no code and low code they can coexist
0: they they do coexist yeah i don't think that's my definition there's a bunch of places where but tulip is a good example, but I'll use a non-Tulip example just to be semi-unbiased yeah, un- about this. Like Squarespace, you can drag things from place to place to make a website. And if you get to a point where you have the ability to write HTML and or JavaScript and you want to do something that is not a built-in feature, you... Copy somebody else's code, or you write your own code, and you basically have a block that you put. You drag that block, and that block is an empty space where you're going to have code execute in what would otherwise be a no code website. And it, Tulip is the same thing with custom widgets. You have a no code environment, you add a custom widget, and that lets you inject a piece of code into the Tulip platform. So, yeah, they definitely coexist together. The marketing term for no code would be a WYSIWYG editor. And by marketing term, I mean circa 2012 when I was aware of these things.
1: Yeah, it's kind of amazing that we're still talking about definitions as a quiz for these. But you also asked me a Larry Bird Twitter question earlier. So I feel like it's all open (laughs) for for, (laughs) for discussion.
0: Oh, my God. What else were we talking about besides pop quiz? Look at how desperately I am am to leave the the pop quiz that I proposed as a segment.
1: Well, there are a few things we wanna talk about um, that people feel passionately about, kind of like the low no code piece, um, mm-hmm. but maybe going into something that I know developers care a lot about, and that is dark mode, pros, cons, importance. Why do people I don't know care so much?
0: I don't know if it's funny to me or ob- just an observationally funny thing or just amazes me, but the strong opinions that people feel about dark mode versus light mode and the extent to which, choosing one or the other reflects on people's you know like their core identity and value as human beings <laughs> it kind of boggles my mind a little bit people it is who shocking. love dark mode they just love dark mode
1: we were evaluating a tool a couple of years ago and they only offered it in dark mode mm-hmm. a marketing tool only in dark yeah. mode and that doesn't seem shocking it's weird <laughs> Shocking. The power the engineering organization had at that company is <laughs> easily represented to the market by their dark mode only product. Um, That's a
0: really subtle and good point you're making. Wow. Yeah, you're right. Well,
1: I think that you can probably dive into this a little bit more. Like it, it does seem like, you know, engineers have a strong preference for dark mode and there are benefits of it. So, you know, maybe you can kind of talk through like why people are so zealous
0: I can. I mean it's speculative, right? But I can I can talk a little bit about it. It's basically like it's a combination of wanting to make a thing your own and there being an objectively right way that it should be in certain circumstances and then like wanting that to be applied rigorously because of things like, you know, the time has come for light mode to go. I have another example that I actually know better than than dark mode light mode. So when okay. you're looking at online text, like text presented on a screen, everybody who does any design or web design or anything like that they all they all know like text on screen is supposed to be sans serif that means it doesn't have the little danglers at the end of of your t or the end of your letters it's just plain letters think about helvetica or arial mm-hmm. uh, that's not that's sans serif fonts but if you have print on a page actually physically on a page then you, serif fonts are easier on the eyes i have no, like i don't know if this is even all the way true this is just from like way back when, when I was learning about, about layouts and stuff like that, it was, you know, the rule across the board was sans serif on web, uh, serif on print. And that was just like a thing that everybody knew, but until everybody knew that, you know, Times New Roman was the font online. So I think dark mode is in the same fit. And I'm like, I'm totally punting on this because I, I'm not a dark mode expert, but the phenomenon of there's a right way, there's a wrong way. Everybody knows the right way. It just takes some time to transition from one way to the other. I think, I think that's that's mostly where we're at dark mode-wise. When did you run into dark mode the first time? Do you remember your first dark mode?
1: I do. It was when we were redesigning the Tulip website. We needed to have like dark versions of the, the pages
0: mm-hmm.
1: um, and light versions. It's not something I opt into. I like feel like I can't see, true or not. It just feels like I can't see. And
0: I had a, I had a first interaction with it that was pretty minor in passing. And then I had a second interaction that was much more stark. And I think a lot of other people shared this, this experience. So the first interaction was, this is not the shared one. This I think was a little more uncommon. So and there was this text editor, notepad plus plus, and I saw somebody else using it and they had set up a completely different interface. And I was, I didn't know enough to realize that all they'd done was change their settings. So I didn't even realize they were in the same application that I was in, and they just applied a theme to their editor, text editor. Yeah. So then, like, oh, everybody I knew that was a developer, they all had some dark variation of the theme, and all of the <clears throat> social scientists, such as myself, all had light mode. And I'm like, well, what? What do they know that I don't know? <laughs> Why? I, I need to find the, the secret, secret out to club. This. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So that was the first time, which made me feel like a failure for not knowing what was going on. And then the second time which was way, way, way after that was Slack versus discord. And people would, Mm -hmm. would ask like, Oh, you're, you're on discord. What's what's discord. I'm like, well, think about Slack, but dark mode. (laughs) Like the very first thing I used over and over again for distinguishing, you know, Slack versus discord was, well, you know, it's, it's dark mode, which I feel like that would drive me bananas if I worked for either of those companies to know that people are out there just dis- distinguishing that way,
1: well, I think Slack would probably like the comparison. just like bring Slack up as much as possible. And I think they'd appreciate it
0: Oh bring oh like just bring as it up the, the reference just for messaging, word, apps,
1: Slack. yeah. Like the more that they like are, you know, referenced to define a category of tool like a messaging app against mm-hmm. other messaging systems, I feel yeah. like, yeah, that's a win for Slack. Just don't Are mention Teams. To, it, don't say that Discord is the dark mode of Teams. That that would offend Slack.
0: Am I allowed to share a, a completely based on nothing vision of the future of what that's going to look like with Teams? It's Teams related. I think so, can yeah. I, can I speculate? And also sort of trash three companies at the same time. <laughs> teams is going to win out. Like IT directors, they want to bundle. So they're going to buy Office and they're going to get Teams and they're going to say Zoom is done because it can't be bundled and Slack is done because it has to be deployed separately and discord what even is that my kids use that for chatting about video games that's how it's going to shake out i'll bet i'll bet you 50 we can we can document this bet in the show notes if you want to take my bet
1: what does winning mean
0: okay you're right it's a very poorly framed bet maybe i should rethink this
1: i just want to be able to collect 50 if i'm going to put some (laughs) money down (laughs) I, i don't leave checks on the floor you know
0: okay so action items for today revisit the bet and put some terms in place The reason dark mode came up was because it was listed on community, uh, community community.tulip.co. Speaking of people on the internet talking to each other, that's frothy. There's a lot of conversation on there about Tulip stuff. There's a good amount of conversation about manufacturing stuff. It is a fast way to get in touch with people who work at Tulip on the engineering team and the product team. Basically the product team is watching all the time and listening and taking in inputs and feedback and putting it into the sausage making machine to make the new better tulip that never never stops getting better and so the other thing i wanted to bring up from community besides dark mode was looping so we were talking about low code and no code in the quiz show Mm -hmm. and i have this idea in my mind about what tulip does for people and it puts code one of the things it does is put coding concepts in front of people that don't have to then learn syntax and learn they don't really have to learn to code anything but they're still led to things that are inherited from coding best practices. So I thought it was really interesting that we had a ton of back and forth and comments on this idea of looping in tulip. And can you build something that loops through a series of steps or through a a series of lines in a table? Um, Do you use the looper as a substitute for like a batch upload process? Can you use the looper as a one off? Can you loop forever? It didn't come up on community, but it came up in my mind that if you create an infinite looper in Tulip that it's possible we would open an interdimensional portal. Love that. Which could be a liability for both our our company and the universe. I mean do mind, what do you what mind checking with engineering on that?
1: Yeah, I will message them right now in a dark mode send them Slack a, window. Send them a teams.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> Dear engineering team. I have a metaphysical question for you today.
0: Can I wrap us up? Yeah. I had this wrap up in my mind even before we did the episode. Because I have, uh, nobody knows all the stuff. And my feelings about not knowing how to do trivia, just got to get past it, right? Like everybody needs somebody else to help them out. And we're all in this together on some level. And there are the gaps in, in other people's knowledge are as big as the ocean and bigger, but if we focus on the stuff that like Maddie knows how to do all this amazing marketing stuff and I know how to do things that I know how to do <laughs> to be revisited later, <laughs> the 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 idea is matching. One of the things that's really fun about manufacturing is getting diverse skill sets together to solve big, interesting problems in a systematic way. And that's only possible when you have the people that, that can work together and the tools and approaches that facilitate that teamwork and that working together. So better visibility into what's happening and then the ability to communicate about what's happening and then pick the problem apart. I mean, that's one of the things that kind of kept me in manufacturing to see out what's, you know, what's beyond industry 4.0. And I'm very optimistic. And I know a lot of people in manufacturing are they but they're, they're like optimistic curmudgeons where they, are spending all their time and think the things that are messed up and they're trying to get to the things that are better. But at the end of the day, they're like, I see the light about what this is, what's good about this and why I enjoy it and-, and where we're gonna take things. And I think a lot of that comes down to the people stuff.
1: Yeah, and we want people to feel like you do though, Russ, where you know they might be uncomfortable getting it wrong, but they still try to answer the question and learn what the textbook definition is.
0: Cite your sources. See you next time. See you next time. Behind the Ops is brought to you by Tulip. Connect the people, machines, devices, and systems used in your production and logistics
1: processes with our frontline operations platform. Visit tulip.co to learn more. This show is produced by Jasmine Chan and edited by Tom O'Barski.
0: If you enjoyed listening, support the show by leaving us a quick rating or review. It really helps.
1: If you have feedback for this or any of our other episodes, you can reach us at behindtheops at tulip.co.